The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be streamed live. Welcome to the Critical and Thinking Podcast again. I am Ian Harris. Ty Barnett. And uh, and we're back. And, you know, uh, I got we got a guest today. Um, we don't always have guests, um, but today I'm excited because uh, this guest is, is, a, is a friend of mine from, from a, a while now. And he is a, 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 a in the atheist community. This guy's a this guy's a monster in the atheist community. Everyone knows him. He is. And and now I, I don't know what the atheist community is. That's that's uh, 367 people. Um, but you would say he's a god. Oh yes, he's he's like oh, a god. Please. He's a god in the atheist community. <laughs> from, from my jokes. Uh, but um, but so so uh, Ty here is not an, an atheist. He's not. Uh, He's not an asshole either. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not an asshole either. But, but, so we have Seth Andrews. Now, Seth, I got to tell you this, man. And, and, Seth Ian, Andrews, and, I Ian and I, Ian and I have been friends for what, 17, 18 years, something like that. And so Ian knows, like, I, I, I remember when I first used to stay at his place, I would, I would still pray. Like, I'd pray before I went to bed because I was sleeping on the couch, right? Which tells you how great things were going for me because I was praying as I was about to sleep on the couch. Um, but I also realized that since we've been friends, and I and I, I I don't clown him for his beliefs, he doesn't clown me for my beliefs. You have a similar type situation in your upbringing. Well, let's let's first off let's for we haven't even properly introduced him. Please, uh, folks, this is uh, Seth Andrews. Uh, so welcome, Seth. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. Yeah, <laughs> golf clapping. Yeah, thank yes, you exactly. for that. So so yeah, so Seth, give, give for for our listeners that, that that might not know you a little background about um, what it is. Uh, your 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 story and and how you came to to where you are these days. Oh, in a nutshell, I uh, was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home. Uh, to tell you how serious they were, my mother and father met at Oral Roberts University, the evangelist. Wow. Uh, they honeymooned in Jerusalem. Wow. My mother wrote a Greek New Testament study guide. They are hardcore fundamentalist Christians, literal Bible believing Christians, and so I was raised in sort of uh, that church and vacation Bible school and private Christian school, and I ended up in Christian radio. I was a Christian radio broadcaster for a dozen years. I did pop and rock radio for a few years after that, and then segued into video production. But you know, finally, at uh, my late thirties, I started to tap on the glass and challenge, or at least question, some of the stuff that I had been indoctrinated with as a kid. You know, my parents meant well. They genuinely felt like they were doing the right thing by sort of roping us off from the rest of the world, but I, I didn't have a proper understanding of the world. And so my education in many ways began at the age of 36, 37. And after the end of that sort of, you know, 18 month road of reading and watching and sponging everything up, I realized that I, I no longer believed in any God anywhere. And I rejected faith as a way of determining what is true. And instead I, I felt like, you know, we should use, engage our mind. We should use reason. And so yes. I started the website, thethinkingatheist.com, not because it represents me. I'm not the thinking atheist. It's actually a reminder that we should reject faith. Faith's a lousy way to find out what's real. Let's instead embrace reason. Let's critically think about these things. Let's ask hard questions and let's pursue a, you know, an unapologetically curious life. And I launched the website back in 2009, the radio podcast in 2010, and the rest is history. So. Nice. And and you were saying uh, for because Ty and I were you know, talking about being, um, you know, longtime friends, 20 years uh, almost. Um, and, you know, really good friends. We, we we agree on a lot of things. We disagree on a few things. But you were you were saying that, the, that your wife is still is uh, is religious on some level. Yeah, not, she's obviously. not a fundamental like she's it wouldn't work if she was you know, Joyce Meyer or, you know, <laughs> something like that. But she's just one of those. I'm, uh, she thinks that there's a, a superior, a uh, higher power. She thinks that there's, yeah. there's something out there. Uh, she accepts the label of Christian because it's kind of the culture she was raised in. Right. But, you know, we don't attend church. She doesn't, I don't know if she owns a Bible, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't really care. Hers is more of a kind of a deistic flavor of, of Christianity. And more importantly, she, unlike my mother and father and, and many fundamentalist Christians, she embraces and promotes my right to be myself. Like Natalie will come out and help me work the book table at a convention or, right. or she'll, you know, ask me how a speech went. Hey, congratulations. And if I read an email from someone who was in a bad place and they heard a show that encouraged them, I'll share that with Natalie. And she's like, you're really helping people. You know, she, yeah. she's really all about mutual respect. You know, uh, she doesn't necessarily agree, but it doesn't mean we can't love each other. 
yeah, we've look, made it work. Look at that. Know? Look at that novel concept right there. I know. <laughs> That's why I tell you, I say, the fact that we're different doesn't mean that we have to be like, I'm going to go to heaven, of course. Uh, he's <laughs> send me a postcard. Yeah, right. just right. let it drift down. Just let it sort of walk hey, down through the clouds. Be, It'll if, reach me eventually. If, if there was a hell, I would be happy with it. It sounds like all the cool people are there. Dude, right? What if what if hell is actually just your individual hell? Like what if hell is like being at the DMV all day, all day, <laughs> and you're number nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine, and they're on number two. For, for, that would be the worst. Hell. I would repent. If that <laughs> That was the case. <laughs> how, would not be worth how ironic would it be, though? Because for me, hell would be going to like Christian church all day. <laughs> Hilarious. Hell would be sitting there listening to or listening to you know, going to Oral Roberts University. That would be my hell. I mean, this is but weird. You, you I'm know, reading about Jesus. Around a salient point, we are in this weird moment, this sort of weird uh, place, especially in the Twitterverse, where if you and I disagree, for some reason, everybody wants to build a wall and, and paint dividing lines and and, you know, if you're not with me, if you're only with me 98 percent, you're my enemy. And I'm like, how did we get here? I know. You know, oh, man. how did this happen? You and I see that a lot. I mean, in, in this, you know, I, I, I'm joking, jokingly calling it the atheist community or the secular community. And, and at the same time, it, it is. But there's there's this weird divide that we've had in in in, in this uh, in our group or community, if you want to call it that, where, you know, most most of us are are fairly liberal not all. There's some libertarians who are, you know, uh, believe in civil liberty liberties, but they're they're a little more conservative on the fiscal side or whatever. But um, but there's this there's like no nuance anymore. I mean, I I, if, I feel like if you don't agree a hundred percent, I mean, on every issue, you're all of a sudden a Nazi. Like I remember I told one person I said, well, you know, I'm not sure that I'm okay with just punching somebody because they disagree with me. And my friend was like, oh, well, then you're no better than the Nazis. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You are that. such an enabler of <laughs> yeah. Nazism, I swear. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too. Um, it must be hard for you guys as comedians because, you know, the temperatures have changed. I and mean, you're out there in front of an audience, a line you would have thrown out 10 years ago versus a line you would have thrown out today. I mean, I, I get we need to be sensitive to people's feelings. But at the same time, part of what you do is to push the envelope, is it not? It is. And For you know, me, you know what? And it's, it's, it's funny you say that because I was telling I was talking about this with somebody the other day is that um, there was a comedian, there's a comedian friend of mine who told me that in his contract for a gig that he was doing, they said specifically, do not mention the president specifically like and I'm like, I can't even think exactly. This is this is in 2018. They said, do not mention the president in a comedy show. And I've never seen that. I mean, look, we talked about this. Lyndon Johnson used to get roasted by the Smothers Brothers. Right. Roasted. And he embraced that and said, hey, man, this is freedom of speech. Yeah, I'm a, think, I'm a public figure, which is the thing exactly. right now. Public figures aren't allowed to be yelled at. So You can't call Mitch McConnell a turtle boy in public or he loses his shit. <laughs> exactly. So, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Seth, because I was, we were all taught that you should separate church and state, especially when you cannot mix these two because someone's religious belief can definitely cloud what decisions they make. And we're seeing, we're in the midst of this right now where people have thrown all of that out. As someone who grew up in a faith-based type of upbringing and coming out of that, like in your 30s, what, how would you try to get this back on course? Or do you think we are totally <laughs> off the rails now and we got to find a new course? I, you know, I, I, I fight despair. I, I just fight discouragement. Let me, let me start at the beginning of your question. When I was um, in fourth grade, I went to a private, very small private Christian school. And to tell you how interwoven the Christian privilege was and the whole God and country narrative, because we were taught, we were, we were told that, you know, essentially everything belonged to our God especially the United States, which was founded by founding fathers who were all devout evangelical Christians and all believed the Bible. This is what we were told. <laughs> and that uh, we needed to grow up and make a difference to take our nation back because it had been robbed from us by all these secular, progressive, heathen, liberal, atheist people. Wow. And so it was so interwoven that we, our school uniforms on Wednesdays, the boys had to wear a necktie with American flags all over it. Wow. When we gave our, our pledges before class, we didn't just say a pledge to the American flag. We said a pledge to the Christian flag and to the Bible. They were all equal. In fact, the Bible was actually more important than the other two. Um, we, uh, we, <laughs> when we 
had a question for the teacher, we wouldn't raise our hand. We had tiny American flags that we would put in a little post and we had to sit them up there <laughs> and they would see the American flag and the teacher, the monitor would come and answer our question. So everywhere we went, it was reinforced in us that, well, this isn't an Islamic nation. It's not a Buddhist nation. It's not it, this. And there is no state without the church. There is no state without our God. So we didn't see any line. In fact, we felt like everything belonged to Christianity. Wow. And we were brainwashed to believe that. And there's a whole culture of Fox News Christians out there. They've been skipping to this for the past however many decades where if you talk about the Ten Commandments on on a, a courthouse lawn, oh, well, absolutely, we should have those. Ten Commandments up there. But if you talk about having verses from the Quran or you get the guys from the Satanic Temple, you know, Lucian Greece shows up with Baphomet. (laughs) They literally lose their minds because they just can't figure out why church-state separation is so important. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, we got uh, Kennedy stepping off the Supreme Court. We've got apparently two two and a half more years of Trump, at least. I, I... I fight despair. And the only silver lining is that I am seeing finally a a surge of activism from the other side. Right. It's like we can't be ambivalent. We, the the day of the protest vote is over. Yeah, <laughs> we got to be big picture. So. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. We we're going to have to go out and affect change and it starts with the midterms. Yes. How do how do we fix it? I don't know. And I've almost had to check out of Twitter and Facebook because there's a new, there's just a new travesty every single day. Do you guys know what that's like? Like you look at oh, it, you're like, every I just, single I, I'm day. doing the same way. Like I, I can't, I post, I, I told, uh, told Ty the other day, I can't even engage anymore. I post and run. Um, <laughs> and then I see all the notifications on my phone. Like someone, someone replied, someone mentioned you and, and I'll kind of look at it, but I know that you don't even want to look at it. If I look at it, I'll be like, Oh, this motherfucker. Oh, and, and then I'm three hours on explaining to somebody, you know, some sort of posting all, and then, you know, posting sources and, and, and all. And it's like, it's, it's a, a, a complete fucking time vampire, but also you, even me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty, pretty good at, at looking at information and I'm, I'm very open. I'm, I'm a skeptic, obviously all this sort of stuff. And even now and then I get, I'll repost something and then somebody will be like, Hey, that's a fake quote. I'm like, don't, you know, it's just yeah. so yeah. hard to, 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 with all the misinformation and disinformation and, and lies, it's just almost impossible to wade through all of it. And, and it's, it's, it's like all the human of it's brain. upsetting. It's like, we're not wired to receive just this barrage, this avalanche of second by second global information anyway. Yeah. But, you know, things are so insane. And, and regarding Trump, if I can go back, I tell you what's frustrating for me is it, I mentioned my evangelical mother and father. I mean, they're near Puritans. They're almost, wow. I mean, they are, they are almost like, like the Amish. They are right. so conservative. Okay. And they love Donald Trump. How does this happen? Yeah. Like right. how does, how does the moral majority type who, you know, you're, yeah. you, you're, you get weird talking about sex. You don't do porn. You certainly don't uh, endorse porn stars. <laughs> but you're cool <laughs> you with this. That's what I'm saying. That's what trips me out is that yeah. they, they on, on, in the same breath that they say we're against adultery, we're against uh, any kind of bad behavior, but this guy is cool because, and, and right. I told you, I showed you the video where the, the women were saying, his multiple affairs were okay right. because he was ordained well, by God. It's also also the the thing about think about twenty years ago, even think about eight years ago or even three years ago. Jesus, if if you the the, the right wing uh, slur to a liberal was was commie, go back to Russia, you commie, right? Now they're pro Russia. Like when yeah. the, when the hell did that happen? <laughs> that it's like, well, you know, Putin would be a really good leader. Like I don't really mind. Yeah, you know, giving him a chance. He's so strong. He's yeah. so authoritative. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like wait a second. Now all of a sudden, the right wing, pro America, patriotic, nationalist, you know, uh, Christian, the, uh, the Bible and the American flag. Those people are now pro Russia, pro dictatorship. For a guy who's probably uh, Trump is probably an atheist, just in the sense that he's probably never even given any religion a thought. Because if it's not the religion of Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. He's yeah. definitely never even 
looked at a Bible, if you, if you showed him a passage between a Bible and a Metallica no, no, no. verse, he could Ian, never figure it out. Ian, he said the Bible was his favorite book. Well, that's true, and though. He, but and, he, and he loves two Corinthians, apparently. Oh, I yes. remember that speech from uh, last <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He, he, he well, thought, you know, I did a whole video. I did a video called Christians for Donald Trump, and we went into the best verses of the Bible, and we juxtaposed them against to Donald Trump speaking in his own words. So it's like, you know, don't be prideful, be humble, yeah. turn the other cheek, <laughs> and we jump over to Trump saying, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, and if somebody screws you, you should get revenge. Yeah. Well, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't lust after a woman. You know, you've committed adultery That's in your heart. And we just went boom, 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 boom. And I show it to religious people, and they it's bizarre to see them not see it, not hear it. It's it's they, I've never seen anything quite like it. They don't care because I think the religion of Donald Trump trumps the their their religion. Trump's I think, religion I, I think it is there. I think it is a new religion. I mean, I think it's definitely a cult. But it's it's um it's bizarre. That, I mean, it's over and over and over. I mean, the 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 porn stars and the and the lying. Like they'll admit they go, oh yeah, we know he's lied three thousand times since he's been in office, and he lies on average like five times a day. And he says, I mean, he just said he he just said recently um that Germany is a is is yeah, in the hands of is controlled by Russia <laughs> because sixty percent of their energy. Well, first off, nine percent of their energy comes from Russia, and second of all, you're here talking about Germany probably the leader of the democratic world right now. Meanwhile, you are controlled by Russia and his people, they don't even care. They don't you, care. They'll say, yeah, I know it's a lie. I don't care. So well, how do you not care? It's like he's lying his ass off. It, it just, it's insane. So as some, I have to know though, I have to know if you, did you do any Trump jokes during the routine or did you abide by the, by the writer? <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> I personally, I still do the jokes, but I have, I had to change the, the wording on certain jokes because and it's, it's amazing because you'll do a joke, and if you go in with any kind of anger, they automatically clam up. You see their arms fold, so you see the, the standard. And, and I'll give you an example of one joke in particular where I say, like, I, don't, I thought I hated this guy. And then you see people, they get tight, and I say, but I'm jealous. And as soon as I use the word jealous, Seth, people's hands relax. They calm down. They're like, well, let me see why you're jealous of this God that I like. Yes. You know, and when they do this, it's, and this is what I mean. This is why I asked you about, you know, being raised one way and then you, you your eyes are open. When you present this to people and you say, because you said something earlier a few seconds, a few minutes ago, they were always inundated with all, every day is something. The news cycle is something. Every day. There's not any downtime. And I, when I say, hey, man, you got to admit that with this guy, there is no downtime. Even people who are Trump supporters, even they have to admit that. So what I've learned to do is kind of just work through this and still do it. But the comedian that was told this, he abided by it. And so what what I guess my question is and, and where my concern is, because you said, you know, you, you're trying hard to not be in despair about this because <laughs> yeah. I, I try to, bro. Every every day is something I, I just want to know from someone who who um, in what's the best way it says you're not of color. <laughs> you're not of color. You're a white. You're a white guy. You're a white guy. And let's understatement be, of the decade. Okay, there right we go. There, yeah. As a white guy in America who doesn't necessarily have to deal with these problems like this, but someone who is aware of these problems, how easy is it for you to speak to people about these things that you know are something are things that we should be concerned about? Do you find the same level of resistance? saying something that a person of color may say, or do you find that they are a little bit more open because it's coming from someone that looks like them? Well, you know, I don't get a lot of acceptance in when I'm speaking to a Trump supporter, regardless, there's a, there's a strange a filter in place that they're just not hearing. I think, did you guys mention maybe the religion of Trump? Uh, one of you yes. did not. That's actually pretty accurate. We're doing a two part series on my show over this uh, month on cults. And honestly, we're talking about the cult leaders that are the ones who are most successful in attracting followers and getting people to kind of surrender the important parts of themselves. And of course, as we're going through the definitions, I'm like, Trump, that's Trump, yeah. that's Trump, that's Trump, that's Trump. Um, it's, uh, I, I am seeing, you know, from my perspective, I'm sure I, I can't speak to it nearly as well as many, but you know, we're seeing an emboldening of the darker, uglier elements in American society. We're seeing people who are now, uh, you know, where they were racist behind the curtain. Now they're out with you know the flag waving in the streets and uh, 
they feel empowered. Uh, we're, we're seeing uh, a, an empowering of the type of ugliness that I, as a humanist, find abhorrent. Right. And uh, in my own life, I, I know that I just all I can do is speak out and try to live the, the type of life that is the antithesis of what Donald Trump represents, where he thinks only of himself. You know, I want to be the kind of person. Let's try to let's think about others. If he only wants to elevate his ship, I'm like, let's let's raise the tide for everyone. And look at, um, look at this guy he wants to think about everybody. Well, <laughs> I, it, you know, it's weird. When I was when I was a Fox News Christian in my own life, it was always like. You know, if you don't love this country, then leave it, you know, yeah. and and we were I was very tribalistic. I was yeah. extremely narrow. If it happened outside these borders and, you know, America and I'm waving the flag and I'm uh, and I, you know, of course, I'm taking credit because I popped out of my mother's vagina at a specific <laughs> geographic location. Right. I mean, right. nothing that I did Wait, caused me to be an American. You weren't so. magically created. <laughs> I was not to my knowledge. And um and it's funny whenever you shuffle off, or you slough off rather all of these sort of religious and God and country narratives and you begin to see the human condition. Then whenever you're faced with something like the refugees and, and uh, you know, Islamic terrorism and all these other types of things, you're seeing it through a different lens. You're not like us versus them, my country versus it's not like church volleyball, you know, where it's <laughs> the home team and there's everybody else. <laughs> For, for me, I'm like, well, you know, wait a minute. It's like with Islam, you know, to come to the understanding that actually most of the people who are under the boot, oppressed by radical Islam, are themselves Muslims. Right. So to be against Islam is actually to be pro-Muslim. Well, if I was a Christian and you told me that, my head would have popped off wow. like I couldn't have processed it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, but uh, walking away, it's it's a little easier to see the world. It's a, able to, the human condition, so to speak. Well, I, li know, I like, before you said it, I, I like the term you used, humanist. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I love that term. That's what we need more of those. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what most that's what mo many atheists uh, also are humanists because it's it's atheism is is just a bit a position on. Do you believe that there is a, a God? Yes or no? No, not at the present time. That's atheist. That's all atheism. I mean, there's no there's no ism to it. There's no belief. So so humanism is something that a lot of atheists have as an ism uh, a set of beliefs that are not religious based like that right. are they're based in in being a human um and being good to other people and and that's that is based it's kind of a an atheist religion if you will um really quick though I wanted to point because this goes to what we're talking about off, off the air and, and since set this here I think it's a good thing to talk about but talking about the religion of Trump it, it's happened before and I'll tell you it happened in the early 90s with uh George HW Bush where I knew a lot of typically in this country, the the left has always been working class. Um, you know, Democrats are always working class, union guys, uh, farmers, uh, all of this sort of thing. It was stolen. There, there's actually a good book. Um, uh, God, what I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. Um, if anybody remembers, it's something about what happened in Nebraska or something like that. But it's about how the right wing hijacked the the working class of this country with religion. And if you think back in the day, Catholics were always super Democrats. Look at the Kennedys and all this sort of stuff. And in the 90s, I started seeing tons and tons of people who would vote only on the abortion issue. That's it. And a lot of Catholics would go, yes, I don't agree with anything else the Republican Party says, but I have to save this fetus's life, so I'm going to vote for George, w. Bush, or George Bush, the first one. Right. And I remember hearing that going, you're insane. You're going to vote, you're going to, you're going to vote for... <laughs> against your every other uh, position that you agree with because of the abortion issue and now i feel it's like with trump thing. it's it's like it's like it's the exact same it's thing. On, it's times a million it's like we don't agree with anything yet yeah, this guy's a horrible person he's completely against everything we believe but he lets us be racist or but he's against he's against right. abortion on paper even on though paper, he's probably which, had which trips paid me for out. a thousand of them and this let me let me ask you this Seth, because like i said i i i i, I much like much like your wife, I am a spiritual person. I am a person that believes that there has to be something out there more than what we're dealing with on this planet. So I pray and I say, hey man, please let's, you know, I I, I hope for good things because I believe that these I, I believe in putting this kind of energy out there. But I also believe and one in one day it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. The man is brutal. <laughs> 
But uh, I will say that I do understand, like watching you, I watched some of your videos and, and watching and, and st- like the, the thing about praying over food was actually pretty funny where he said, uh, what's the difference between these blessed potatoes and these <laughs> unblessed potatoes? <laughs> so when, when, you, when you first, how much resistance do you have from people who are still in that mindset and don't budge at all. They don't budge at all. How much resistance do you have at, at, at family gatherings, uh, just being around people who you still associate with that are still in that mindset of, no, it has to be blessed potatoes or not? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I well, I did a speech. You're referencing a speech I did called uh, Religion Made Me Talk Like an Idiot. It was just more of a vent. I, I did the a speech in Vancouver last year. And, and it was sort of talking about some of the things that we do, uh, that, you know, I understand the comfort mechanism of prayer and brings people together. And I mean, we can understand prayer and why we do it. Uh, even the, uh, even from an evolution standpoint, we can see why we do things as communities, blah, blah, blah. But I was also like, how does this really make sense? Do we really believe the things we're saying? And it talked about the family in the waiting room. Someone's in surgery and they're praying for healing as the surgeon is cutting the person open. And we get into that. And, you know, when someone's in a car accident, do they call down the healing power of the most uh, powerful being in the universe? Or do they call 911 first? You, you <laughs> right. can really tell a lot about people right. uh, and what they really believe. In my own life, you know, I, I've got, I'm surrounded by people who, as I did, live a contradiction. You know, they believe that God counted the hairs on their head and wants them to have health and life and goodness. And then they lock their doors and they have handguns and they pay for insurance policies and they click their seatbelts <laughs> and they put on sunscreen because there's danger everywhere. You know, they got mace on their kids' key rings and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, if I bring that up, they, they're not really going to hear that. We'd, I've never gotten much traction there. Right. I will say that most of my family is, you know, pretty accepting. They don't really understand, but, you know, it hasn't been awful. With my mother and father, it really has been pretty, pretty terrible. Wow. Uh, we don't have much of a relationship. They're, uh, they, they believe they failed. Like wow. they failed as parents. Not only did I fail as a son, but because all of this teaching that they gave me and all of these all these years in church and all the Bible verses and all of this stuff that they'd done, but it, because it didn't take, not only did I fail as a son, but they failed as a mother and father. And so I'm kind of an indictment of, of them in, in the eyes of the world. And they're tremendously embarrassed. And that's nothing I ever would want for them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not an atheist to embarrass my family, but, right. you know, they they're just horrified and they would send all of these horrible tweets that would talk about hellfire and, you know, come back to the family and wow. you're embarrassing us and whatnot. And to, to the point where I, I finally, I have blocked on my phone, my mother and father, if they want to get Whoa. to me in an emergency, they, they can contact Natalie. But it became for me after all these years about boundaries. And this is an important discussion to have because there's a narrative out there that, hey, well, my mother and father gave birth to me. I was birthed of their loins and therefore they have the right to tell me how to live. And I'm like, hell no, they <laughs> right. You are not a clone. You are an individual person. That's right. And they can advise you. They can tell you what they think, but they don't get to step over your threshold and yeah. dictate who you love, what you do for a living, whether you believe in God, which God, how you worship, how you frame your life. That's you. That's your journey to take. Right. Well, and if they refuse to respect your right to do that, you may have to make a hard decision. My mother won't even come to my home. She won't step over the threshold because I'm a full-time atheist activist. Wow. And my home is paid for essentially with the devil's money. And we had some fun with this on the radio because I'm like, all right, wait a minute. Well, I think Natalie paid for the living room couch. So if we can get mom to the couch, she can sit there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, but, but, but by the way, I, th- two things really quick. First off, your parents should be very proud because it, they they shaped you to what you are today. If it wasn't for all the crazy religious teachings, you wouldn't be where you are today. So actually, they made a really great person. They should be very proud of, even though it backfired on them, actually backfired in a proper way. But he, he, it always cracks me up, by the way, that, that they're so afraid of, you just said that it's it's the devil's house, the devil yeah. which you don't agree with or you don't believe in. <laughs> I actually had somebody, that's a true story. Somebody said to me one time, they said, oh, you're an atheist? I said, yeah. They go, well, you're doing the devil's work. I said, well, how can I be doing the devil's work? I don't believe in the devil any more than I believe in the God. And the person, I swear you said, well, you know, 
the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing, was, was convincing people that he didn't exist. And I said, well, I'm also out here trying to convince the people that God doesn't exist. So I guess I'm doing God's work. <laughs> I come from a culture where like when people would buy a new house, I kid, you're going to think I'm making it up, but they would walk the perimeter of the property and pray and claim God's protection over it. Wow. So, you know, dear Lord, we cast out all the devils and we, we all the evil spirits and we claim this property for you. So I guess in her mind, if she comes over somehow, she's doesn't it speak to kind of a betrayal of her own lack of confidence in her own God's ability to protect her? <laughs> right, I, I, exactly. Right. I mean, if, if you're worried Satan's going to get you. It, it tells me that Satan can kick your God's ass. That's kind of a problem. Right. I, it's, it's like the Pope with the bulletproof glass car. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're the Pope. You're the, you, you should been, be fine. Yeah. You should be fine. You'll be fine. Just go open, open JFK it, bro. JFK <laughs> it. And just, just go down Main Street with the thing open and you'll be fine. His, and, and this was, was, was crazy about what he just said is that his family, his, his parents feel that they failed and that he's an embarrassment. To my yeah. knowledge, I just met you, but to my knowledge, you don't have a criminal record. You're not running drugs or guns. You're not doing anything like that. <laughs> but they still feel, because you are an individual, even though God, because according to the teachings, gave us free will. And even though you're exercising free will, they still feel you're an embarrassment, even though you're exercising free will. And this is what trips me out about people who are, because and, and I tell people this, because I got a friend of mine, and this is why I always say I will never clown people for believing in this. I will not clown people for believing in religion. I can't because I don't know what drives you. I don't. But I'm also a person that believes in does it make sense or not and in, in what helps. So I got a friend of mine who used to be on drugs. Like he was hardcore, like cracked out, all that. He changed his life based off religion. Now, I'm not going to talk to my friend who has been clean and sober now 18 years. I'm not going to talk down to him and say, hey, man, you changing your life because of this religious belief is a bad thing. But I'm also but he is also he is also not a person that clowns me for living my life the way that I live. it. So that's why we can coexist. So it just trips me out. It's your family, your, your parents that birthed you. And you're out here still doing good things. You're, you're speaking. You've made a great living. You 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 seem to be like a person with a level head. That they still have this belief in the fact that it goes from the fact that it, he this is a, a reality, not just of his parents, but of other people in the world that don't want to be open minded. Right. When again, the, God did not. If, if you're going by the Bible, it didn't say hate people who don't believe in me. Right. It never says that. So I don't understand how people can do that, Seth. But, I don't get and, it. And meanwhile, they're okay. They're they're okay with Trump, the gra grab him by the pussy president. Who's hey, may, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe if you would have grabbed some people by the pussy, your parents wouldn't be. <laughs> and then paid them uh, to upset. shut up about it, and then said. I sent the, a meme with that quote to my evangelical fundamentalist father to get his response, and he right. acted like he'd never seen it. He just, it's like it dissipated in front of his eyes. Wow. I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get it. Well, to be fair, you know, Jesus, there is a portion, you know, we like to, to talk about the love verses when it comes to Jesus, but there is a portion in the new Testament where Jesus says that, that people, that his followers must be prepared to hate members of their own family, uh, to, to follow him if it came down to a choice. So maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I, I think more than that, my parents seek validation. I, I think my, I really do think that, number one, they're embarrassed about being publicly disagreed with. But two, I think they're insecure about their own belief under the skin. Yeah. And wow. so when there's somebody in the room who doesn't like back them up and yeah, yeah, you're the, you know, you're the man, you, you got it. Uh, I totally agree. If there's someone who's like, actually, no, I, I stand apart with you on this and they can't, you can tell a lot about someone when you disagree on a position and they start to vibrate, you know, they, just, yes. they start to froth and they, they can't and they they literally just can't deal with the fact that there is an, an, an opposing viewpoint in their zip code. I think you can tell a lot about people and how secure they are in their positions by how they act in these regards. Well, you yeah. know, it's, it's funny because my, my wife, I don't know if she agrees with me now because I haven't brought up them, but in a while. But I used to uh, she used to always say, no, that's not it. That's not it. Now, my wife also was raised. Uh, in a very Catholic family. Her father was a Catholic priest at one point, and he, he left the priesthood and got married and had kids and whatever, but he's still very Catholic, grew up that way. She is now as hardcore of an atheist as I am, but there was a point in between where she was atheist or, you know, whatever, agnostic, whatever she wanted to call herself, but not hardcore about it, where I would tell her, i say, you know, the word atheist, um, I had this theory that it, it was, it's, 
it was so offensive to many, especially Christians and hardcore Christians. You know, you could tell them that you're Muslim, and they'd be like, oh, okay, you're Muslim. They might inside be going, ugh, this person's a Muslim. Mm-hmm. But when you tell somebody, oh, what do you believe? And if I say atheist, I have seen people and had people get like almost violent with me just by telling them that I'm an atheist. And I'm like, I didn't say you suck. I didn't punch you in the face. <laughs> I just said I'm an atheist. And and I said, I go, you know, I said, what I've always thought, my wife said, oh, you're, you're, you're just, you think too much of yourself. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> but I said, I think that what they hear is, you're full of shit. I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. And when they yeah. hear Muslim, they hear, well, he believes in something, but he's just misguided. Poor soul. He's beneath me. He just does. He just isn't on the right track. And when they hear atheist, they hear me saying, <laughs> you're a moron. And oh, you're in Oklahoma and tell somebody you're an atheist. Just say it outright. And their their faces twist up like one of those trees in the Wizard of Oz. And my wife's like, oh, that's that's really, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, conceited of you to say that, oh, you think that everyone thinks that you're smarter than them. I said, no, no, I'm not saying that. I think that I think that that on some level they doubt themselves. The people yeah. that have that that visceral of a reaction to the word atheist. I think they doubt it or they know that their belief isn't based in any sort of fact. Right. So when you tell them that, it's a reminder that, yeah, I've got a bullshit belief, even though I still believe it. And I think that's why they 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 get so angry sometimes because they know they know deep down inside that that they're 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 standing on a real flimsy uh you know uh, that their their faith is very flimsy and and even though I'm not trying to belittle their belief by telling them that I'm an atheist I'm just telling them my my beliefs they automatically hear it is that I'm I'm smacking them in the face and reminding them that their their position is shitty. <laughs> my, my wife thinks that's a, a conceited way of me to look at it, but I just really think that's the fact in many cases. Seth, can I ask you something? Did you did you see um, the Birth of a Nation, the movie? No, I did not. If you get a chance, if you get a chance, watch it because it is it's actually interesting. Um, and and I say this because it's hard for me sometimes because I grew up where we they told us we need to go to church every Sunday and all that stuff. We hated going to church except we did like it because we got good lemon cake. It was always cake. <laughs> always cake at church, bro. So always we always, cake. always wanted to go for Lemon cake. cake? Okay. <laughs> so, but in the movie, in the movie, Nat Turner is is the only, he goes to get a book, you know, from one of the slave uh, slave owner's wives. And he goes and picks a regular book, you know, because she says, I'm going to teach you how to read. And he picks a regular book. She takes that book from him and she says, no, I need you to read this book. And it's the Bible. And she said, this is the only book you'll ever need to read. Just read this book, and it'll teach you everything. This kid, black kid, was taught reading this book, everything like that. So as he grows up, and he's the only person that's allowed to read around him, the other slave masters go and say, hey, we need you to come and read this book to our slaves. And when Nat grows up and starts realizing that this book is kind of bullshit, and this book is not really helping my people because it's, this book is basically helping my people continue to be enslaved. So to me, and this is why I say I have a hard time with religion nowadays is more than I did before because I see where we are as a country and I see how this book and the idea of Christianity only, because again, if you believe in the Quran, then you still believe in something, then it's fine. But in America, we look at that as well, like, like Ian just said, then you're misguided. Do you believe that this book has been used to enslave people. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, I had Mandisa Thomas on camera. She's with black nonbelievers. And we were talking about, um, how the, not only has the, the Christian narrative and the church been used in some ways to liberate, help liberate and organize during the civil rights movement, but it, it Essentially, it was also at the same time continuing to enslave people. And we'll see now, we see um, the entire Christian narrative is to surrender your will, surrender yourself. Uh, God must increase, I must decrease. The message of the Bible is one of of, uh, servitude and slavery. I was born broken. I've inherited original sin. I'm damaged goods. I don't deserve heaven. Everything that I get that is good comes from elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, 
charismatic people who are saying inspiring sounding things from the Bible, not realizing that the Bible is also filled with horrible, you know, ideas, mm-hmm. um, or whether you're cherry picking love verses, uh, and ignoring the ones about slavery and torturing your slaves and, and stoning your disobedient children to death and blah, blah, blah. Um, or whether you're just giving yourself allegiance to a text that you can't verify its origins. Any way you slice it, religions, but specifically Christianity, the Abrahamic religions, we're talking about a, a kind of deference and servitude that tells us I'm not worthy, I'm broken, I don't deserve, uh, I have to have an other to come out and rescue me from my own awfulness. Otherwise, I deserve torment and punishment or at least annihilation. I think that's a tragic message. Yeah. And so if I'm going to be a humanist, if I'm going to be about people, I mean, the last thing I want to do is throw a Bible at them. I can make the Bible be a love book, but I can also make it be a hate book. Exactly. Uh, and and there's nothing in the Bible that's good that I can't get from another source, a better source rooted in humanity and science, reason, the evidence and uh, our evolved ethical systems. You know, I want to see humankind survive. We don't have to tell ourselves fairy tales to make that work. We don't have to seek equality by reading verses. We can seek it by understanding that we are all Africans. We are all the human condition. We are all brothers and sisters on this planet. We all have to stick together, you know. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, boys. I was gonna uh and so to, to piggyback off of that, have you ever um heard like in, in, in the Bible where it says uh because it was touched on in a couple of different things. The book of Eli, same thing where the guy wants to get a hold of this book because he says and he, his character literally says, You can control the masses if you have this book. But also when people say, Well, Jesus had hair of lamb's wool and dark skin. And when I bring this up to people who who claim to be super duper uber Christians, and I say, well, you say, well, I follow the book of the Bible to the law, to the letter, to the letter I follow it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So when I go to your church and then I see this picture of this blonde, blue eyed guy, <laughs> and, it, it, and, and Republican it, Jesus. But, when I, but and, and this thing is crazy because I'll ask them. I said, well, if you follow it to the letter. Why is your depiction of Jesus nothing like it says in the book? And I kid you not, every single time they say, well, you can't really get caught up in the description. Right. Then why do you still have the fucking picture up <laughs> right. of the dude? That, that's <laughs> you, not you, the dude. You know what I've been told, too? I've been told this because, you know, they they um they do it with the uh, with the Catholics. A lot of Christians don't like Catholics because Catholics have, you know, the, the Holy Trinity and they seem to worship the— um, the Virgin Mary, Virgin like Mary. the Virgin Mary is always popping up in people's tortillas and, and, you know, <laughs> and uh, on their, on their serapes and fucking wherever else. And they're like, you can't, you can't worship, you can't worship these idols. And, and then what they say, which a lot of people say about the, the blonde Jesus is they say, well, Jesus, Jesus manifests himself or represents himself to you so that to, to, uh, to match what you look like because, um, in order to uh, like assimilate to you, I hear that all the time. Well, he, the he way what, that he, in a way that you, I can best relate with. Yes, you. exactly. He shows himself to you, like you, so that you can relate to it. Because you know, because you know, we wouldn't want to relate to goddamn black folks. So, so why, why hasn't he? Jew? We don't want Jesus to be a Jew. I, I put a, a speech together. It's a few years ago, and and uh, I've kind of I'm gonna. I haven't released it formally to YouTube yet, but because uh, I'm still tweaking it and I'm going to give it again in front of a live audience. But it's it's called The Many Faces of Jesus. And you go from different cultures, you see that their Jesus looks like them. So, of course, we got white Jesus here in white churches. You've got there's a black Jesus. There's a, uh, a Native American Jesus. There's an Asian Jesus. I mean, I, it, I've wow. never in my life known there was an Asian. But in Asian Christian churches, their representation of Jesus many times is an Asian and it's interesting to see that the gods we have constructed so often look like us. Go yes. figure, right? Yes. Well, you know, God was God was created in our image. Well, there yeah. is Isn't actually that, a Hispanic <laughs> Jesus, is Jesus. But yes. um, I just, I, I honestly just have, I, because it was, it was actually refreshing to watch you speak. Because I'm like, wait a minute, if this guy can articulate this, and these people are here, and they understand, and he's speaking this, and he's breaking all of this stuff down. What trips me out sometimes, because I, I get the idea of faith, and I'm not going to lie, man. Faith sometimes, I have a quote, I have a quote in my in, in, in my house 
where it says faith is the um, how's it go? Faith is basically the the drive that leads to achievement. It's right mm-hmm. over his toilet. It is actually. It's close. <laughs> it's, it's across from the toilet. So I watch it. I look at it as I'm pooping. So <laughs> for those so, constipated just, moments, <laughs> I got a faith that's coming out. Faith. I got faith. This poop is coming out. Um, but it, 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 I. So I am a firm believer in the idea of believing in something, or even just believing in yourself that you have the faith to go through this. I have tattoos that say this. But they're based more so in the faith and the belief that you can achieve these things. It's not necessarily a thing of about God or not. So I don't have a problem with the idea of faith. My problem is, is when people come in and they say, well, since you don't believe in the same faith that I believe in, then your faith is somehow discredited. Your faith is not real faith. And I feel like this is the problem that continues to be a thing, even though, like you said, there is nothing based in fact in this book, this book has been written, rewritten, re 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 rewritten, and people still hold on to this like it is the, I mean, for lack of a better word, right now the gospel. So, so Seth, let me ask you. So, if, if right now, do you think this generation coming up? Because this is what's to me is going to be one of the turning points. I always tell people the younger generation are going to be the generation that's going to figure it out. So, when you give your speeches, when you give your talks, and all that stuff. Do you find that you have a younger audience that is coming in listening to you, or do you find that it is harder to convince this younger generation to think freely as you do? Because you don't want them to take 30 years like it took you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bit slow. Well, if I may, before I answer that, uh, to address the uh, the faith thing, I I think— I, I totally get and respect and 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 like how you frame faith. I think people people often define faith in different ways, and I think what I'm hearing from you is is that it, it you are about belief in yourself, belief in people, a hope for positive things, uh, you know, to continue to maintain a level of optimism in your life about about the possibilities for yourself exactly. and for and for humankind. And I I totally get that. And you and I I think are on the same page. There's another definition of faith, which is I believe something while having absolutely no reason to. And that's if you accept something as a fact that you can't demonstrate, you know, after the mid uh, the primary elections we just had in Oklahoma, everybody in Oklahoma runs on the platform of faith. You know, Bob Smith for Congress, he's a man of faith. And of course, if you if you go into like Bogosian's uh, 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 definition of faith, claiming to know what you cannot prove. Well, I was like, well, what if we were to just rewrite the commercial? Bob Smith is a man who claims to know what he cannot prove. It totally changes the temperature. But it, you're saying the same thing. That's the other definition of faith. <laughs> yes. As far as uh, uh, talking to my audience, my audience honestly ranges, uh, you know, I, I get everybody from 16 to, to 90. Uh, I see a lack of I mean, the rise of the non-religious is a thing. The 30 and unders, they're dropping out of church. They don't hold to biblical fundamentalism. They've got, they're either LGBTQ or they have friends or family members who are and love and support and accept them on every level. Um, They, uh, you know, they care about the human condition beyond our own borders. They are, they're not trapped in the type of fundamentalism that their parents and grandparents were. And I think that's amazing. I saw Ken Ham waxing on about, oh, the reason that everybody's leaving all the chances these days is because we've gotten away from the good teaching. And I'm like, no, the reason that the kids are get, are leaving church is because they just don't need it. Right. Right. They don't require it to have the goodness in their lives. Right. And it doesn't mean they're atheists. They're just not engaging in the church. The flip side to the coin and what's dangerous is – because they're not engaged, there's a lack of urgency sometimes in the younger generation oh, yeah. about, yes. you know, what's going on. So if they're busy living their own lives and they're totally unplugged from what the well-funded fundamentalist religious machine is doing and they don't care, well, now those guys get to operate without any real accountability. And I'm always trying right. to encourage younger people, like, stay engaged, stay informed, you know, get yeah. active. Make a difference. Don't don't get complacent because complacency right. is when the other people get carte blanche to do whatever they want. Right, because they they also don't have any isms, which means they don't necessarily see ramifications to to not voting to polit. That, that's why we're starting to see it now with kids getting shot up in school. You're seeing these kids get out and and 
um, you know, get get motivated because now it's hitting them. Oh, well, these are real issues that are political issues. And I, I know a lot of young people who are like, they're not religious. They're not, they're, they're totally exactly what you described. But because of that, when you talk to them about, they're kind of uh, apathetic about everything where they go, oh, well, government's bullshit. Oh, no matter who you vote for, it doesn't matter. And and yeah. they completely wipe, <clears throat> they completely run away from any sort of activism or, or, or like I said, any ism. And therefore they get, they're not, we're not getting them voting. We're not getting them saying something and, and being a part. And if we can get them to be active and get them to be out there, we'll get, I mean, if you poll, when you do polls, 60 to 70% of, of this country is progressive on some level that we all want healthcare. They want education. They want to spend less money on the military. We did, we, all the stuff that we, that we talk about, that's the vast majority of this country, but we're being ruled by 30 to 40% at the max of, of these Trumpsters, these hardcore, the, the, what I call the, the, the last, uh, the last stand of the angry white man. It is. It they're, really is. they're fading <laughs> and they're grasping at straws and, you know, and they're, and they're, they're, they're excited that they get to say the N word again on, on, on calls until they realize, Oh, that's not what they mean by not PC. Yeah. And they lose. It their is job. interesting to watch the desperation. And I mean, it's true with the church. It's true with politics. Like the minute they begin to see the power slipping through their fingers, Boy, they really lose it. I mean, they just lose their minds, and then they're doing even wackier stuff Crazy. Uh, on the world stage. It's it's insane. He said. So we we have we call the show. We got about a couple minutes here left, and and um, we call this show critical and thinking. It's a it's a play on my on my first comedy special, but we like the name and we threw it out there because uh, you know you got to be critical of things and you got to think. So and and you got to use critical thinking. So some we like to ask people if if there's either or both something that you right now are critical of and something that's making you think meaning meaning is there something out there that really stands out that you go man we need as a as a country or as individuals need to be far more critical of and is there something out there that you that maybe you you're changing your mind on or something that's making you you know those moments that make you go hmm maybe i need to reevaluate this situation is there yeah. anything like that you could throw out that, that you think that you know something something critical and something thinking Probably the critical for me right now, just because of recent headlines, I, I am, I am struck by the overwhelming tribalism of white Christian America, wow. and the I, I'm just to see people who seem to, who was it Joe Rogan? I'm, I, and I don't agree with Joe on a lot of stuff, but he did a, a a kind of a rant on his podcast where he was like, if you see someone from another country who's at the border, who's here illegally, right? And you see their screaming, terrified child ripped from the arms of a wailing mother. And your first thought is, broke the law, right? (laughs) It is what it is. You you and I are not on, you and I, you you are not what I want to be associated with. You're not on on my team. team. Yeah, saw that. Yeah, you're, you're, that, that is to me a complete surrendering of any moral high ground. And yet, it's celebrated. Well, broke the law. You got to enforce the borders. It's got to be tough, tough love, tough strength, that kind right. of thing. And and more and more, I'm like, I'm just conscious of the fact that, you know, we, we see these people desperate who have almost nothing, who are being put in a box by people who have every, who've taken all, they have so much opportunity. We do that. We take it for granted that I, it, it grieves me. And I more and more want to want to be about the human condition. Not that we don't have necessarily borders and we don't have regulations and security and all those types of things, but us versus them doesn't get us very far in this yeah. world when it comes to solving our problems as human beings. And and that's, I think, really what I, I'm most passionate about these days. That and the fact that we need to learn how to speak to each other instead of labeling each other and calling each other Nazi on Twitter. I think the death of discourse is probably my number two big critical issue. I, I, the internet is an amazing invention that has also, while connecting us, completely disconnected us as human beings. We've got to try to perfect. reinsert the human element, you know? That's a perfect way um, to put it. Absolutely. The, uh, the thing that I, uh, if there's anything I'm thinking about the, these days, um, and I'm sure I'm gonna get uh, feedback from this in my email inbox, I have in my own life been, I've been navigating the discussions about um, the treatment of animals that are killed for food and the moral argument for becoming a vegetarian or vegan. And uh, I myself, I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet. Uh, You know, I I get the the sort of harvesting, if, if, for lack of a better word, of meat for 
for our food. I'm, I'm not morally opposed to that, but more and more when I see the conditions of the animals are placed in, and the more and more I see the, you know, the empathy and, and uh, those, the traits, the actual traits of, of animals, I, I just, there's a part of me that has, has softened to the point where I wonder if I have made it the moral choice or if the moral choice is to actually not use animal products in anything that I'm doing. And I don't know what the right answer is. It's something I'm navigating in my own life. It's something I want to make the right choice on. You know, I love a good steak, but at the same time, if I know that there's a suffering animal in a tiny cage who's being abused, you know, I, that's not the kind of person I want to be. And and yeah. I want to get past sort of these clickbait, most inflammatory instances that are that are on Twitter and find out in the big picture, you know, what's it look like and what's the right, what's the moral choice. So that's what I've been thinking about these days. Yeah, that's, and, that, and that's a tough one because there's a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation on both sides, but yeah, there's a yeah. lot of validity to, <clears throat> to especially the, the the factory farming and and unfortunately it gets clouded like religion. It gets clouded on the the religion of the left, which is you know the the anti GMO crowd and the anti uh, you know or, or the uh, the the people that are hardcore vegans. Where, where it's where it's almost like a religion on their end. Yeah. And you want to hear it and you want to talk about it and you go, yeah, there's some validity here, but it gets so over with with the with the craziness of it, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Where it's, it becomes almost like a religion sometimes with these, with these people that, uh, it, it's, it, hard it really to, to, it's hard to comb through what's, what's real. But I, I'm, I'm with you on the, on my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Like she, she's, we are at a store and she goes, Oh, I love those shoes, but I don't think I'm going to buy leather anymore. And, uh, and I feel it. I, I get it. I'm like, and we, we don't eat a lot of meat, but I also don't eat no meat. And yeah, it's I like, I can't, I'm sorry. I need, I need protein. <laughs> um, but this is, this is also, it, it's funny you said that because, where was I at the other day? It, oh, at some seafood restaurant, and and uh, they said you can pick your own lobster. You can pick your lobster, and the lobster still alive. <laughs> that's just water. too personal for me. Yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to know it's alive <laughs> and say I'll take that one right there. Please yeah. kill that one and bring it to here, me. Here's here, here's a great solution for all this. You get you get your you can buy your steak and your lobster. But you have to get it live, and you have to name it first. No way, bro. <laughs> Automatic well, I, vegan. I, I Automatic. Like if I had to go out and use the, you know, the the bolt gun to the head oh. of, the, of the cow oh. Oh, hell and no. slaughter no my way. own meat, would I still have the burger? And I can tell you right now that I I would be probably a tofu inc. com. You know, tofu. Right? com. Whatever. Yes. And, and so I I admit to a level of hypocrisy. I'll also say this, and this freaks out people here, especially in Oklahoma. But the minute at the minute they get lab-grown meat, I'm one of those guys who's like, if it tastes good, I'm in. Yeah, like, if you right, can yeah. throw meat in a tube or whatever and throw that shit in the oven, I'm all over it. And the people around me think I've lost my mind. No, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the day that they make the lab the lab hamburger. I love hamburgers. And if yeah, I can do it without I, making a if, – if you can't tell the difference and, and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's lab burger, I'm fine with it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> they, but that's why I say, like, people, oh, when they bring up tofu, I'm like, it's still tofu. I don't care if you barbecue it. I don't care if you see – it's still tofu, bro. I might as well be chewing on styrofoam. I'm sorry. It's still tofu. Hey man, well, let's uh, say we got to go. Uh, we really appreciate you having this. This was this was a really fun, a really fun hour, um, and and really informative. Uh, can you tell people um, how to reach you? How to reach you? How to find you? And guys, it, by the way, before I even let him do this, go uh, the Thinking Atheist. He, he's it's a it's an amazing show. He, Seth puts out find his YouTube page. Uh, he'll give you all that information. But but do yourself a favor. Um, not only does Seth have one of the coolest voices. <laughs> Everyone always talks about that. I was not going to bring it up, but but you got to you, you got to mention the elephant in the room because he's got a cool ass voice. But um, but yeah, go go subscribe to him and, and check him out. So where where can everybody find you? Well, and let me end if I may by saying that uh, I appreciate you guys because you're comedians who are actually funny. <laughs> when I, I I do conventions all around the country, and one of the most terrifying things that ever happens to me is when they inform me that hey, on Saturday night we've hired a comedian. It's one of the most terrifying things that I as a speaker hear because eight out of 10 are walk out of the room, not good. Wow. And yet, you know, Ian, when I saw him in San Diego, he just blew my mind. He's, you are, it, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, it's, it's a natural, uh, it's, it's just a journey. You're a great storyteller. It's, it's fun to listen to. You're a great comedian. Oh, thank you. And, uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, my work, you can find the thinkingatheist.com. All the podcasts and everything are uh, are there. 
And if you want to find out more about me personally, my personal website is sethandrews.net. Cool. Cool. Uh, well, thank you, Seth. Uh, I really appreciate hey, it, man. Uh, I, I, it was a pleasure talking to you, dude. And and I got to tell you, you, you've opened my eyes to a few different things. Um, and I, I love the fact that you've been able to come out of something that you were raised in to still form your own opinion. And now you're trying to pass it on to other people. I appreciate you for that, dude. Thank you very much. And everyone else out there. I look there, forward to shaking your hand in person one of these days, my friend. Same here, bro. Same Absolutely. Here. And uh, everyone else out there, uh, keep it critical. Keep it keep thinking. thinking. And, oh, we didn't do the wrap-up. We got to do the wrap-up real quick. Uh, we'll do it while Seth is on. Uh, again, because you know this is what we do on the show. We, we try to pass a message on to people to let them know what you should be trying to do. Empathy. I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> I cannot stress this word enough. Empathy. Stop acting like your problems are the only fucking problems in the world. There are other people out here that are dealing with things. Stop and take a second to look at these people as people, as, as Seth said. Be a humanist. Be a humanist and understand that there are other things going on in the world. The second we get empathy back into this world, things will be better, period. Empathy. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. And uh, the revolution will be, be streamed, streamed live. live.